0: We're halfway through a series uh, here that we're doing, a, a series on what we believe as a church. And we're looking at the basics of our faith, trying to better understand uh, what we believe and why it is that we exist as a church. Because what we believe is, as a church isn't so much just a set of theological statements or, or propositions uh, to be memorized like a creed. It's not a pledge or something. What we believe is a story. It's a true story. Uh, It's not just any story, but it's the story of everything. And and if you've missed any of these talks over the past few weeks, I'd like to invite you to go to our website at genesisnoblesville.com, have a listen from yourself, or you can order a CD uh, at the Info Hub. But each week, for the past few weeks, uh, we've turned the page to another chapter in the story of everything, and we believe that God's word is the story of everything. That every, we need, everything we need to know about life, uh, that it comes from this story. It's a true story. It's an accurate story, it's right story, it's God's story, and it can offer us a lot on on how we live. And so I'd like to quickly review where we've been so far, but before we do that, if you're in middle school, they got a group that's happening right now, you can head out the back door. But we're going to review, all right, and and starting with the first chapter, the first week of, of this story of everything, the story of God. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Week one, that God is the main character in the story of everything. Uh, It's a story about Him. It's a story for Him. That everything that happens in our lives, everything that happens on this earth, all of this creation is for God's glory. He is the main character. The story is about Him. God is three persons. He's Father... Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and while each uh, is fully God, and while we see three, uh, the Trinity, it's one God, as the book of Deuteronomy teaches us, that there is only one God, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that as First John 4, 9 says, God is love. And that's the most important part of the story, that our God, the creator of all things, is a God of love, that he is Love and that he created this world out of love. He created you and me out of that love. The second chapter in the story is the story of the chapter of sin. The story of sin. That sin is the great problem of the world today. Sin is the problem that entered the story. And again, it's not just about regulations broken or rules broken. Sin is about a broken relationship. It isn't so much the rule 4.1-32, you know, was broken in the Word of God. It's a broken relationship between man and woman and God. And the problem, the reason for that breaking of that relationship, is the sin problem. Again, it's a broken relationship between you and God. The great news is that in the third chapter, the story of Jesus, we learn that Jesus is the solution to the problem of sin. Uh, Jesus is God's answer to the problem of sin in this world. He is the hero of the story, that Jesus came to earth for you and me as the incarnation. He came as God himself to provide an atonement, a payment for the problem of sin. He shed his own blood so that the payment of sin would be satisfied, that you and I could have a bridge, a way back to a right relationship with God. Jesus puts things back together. And the reason why you and I still exist today, the reason that Jesus has not yet come back to take us all to heaven is that there's more work to be done. And that's part of our responsibility as individuals, as we work each day, as we live our lives in our neighborhoods, as you coach your kid's t-ball team, you have a purpose. God is using you to make things right in this world, again, to lead people, to help people find their way back to him. Jesus is the answer. He's the restorer of all things. This morning, we're going to talk about the fourth chapter in this story. It's the, the chapter on the Holy Spirit, the story of the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit is God living inside of us. You know, the moment that you seek God's forgiveness in your life, the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord, the Holy Spirit himself, God himself, takes up residence inside of you. And, and that's what we believe. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Paul writes, You, however, are not, are, are, excuse me, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. I mean, this teaches us that that when you invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit, God himself, the Spirit of God, takes up residence inside of you. God lives in you. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. And I know that it'd be a little aggressive, but we're going to try and look at all 800 of those verses here this morning. Uh, Just kidding. I want to show you a few, including the first. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, uh, it's about as far back as we can go in the story of everything. But in Genesis 1, 2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now the word translated here, spirit, is the Old Testament word ruach. It's the Old Testament word ruach. It means wind, breath, or blast of breath. And what we see is that the Holy Spirit comes with power. The Holy Spirit comes with a punch. This ruach. Now in the New Testament, the Greek word is translated pneuma. Alright? It's where we get our word pneumonia or uh, pneumatics. Again, it means strong wind. or or current of air during the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would would descend on particular people in particular occasions and then would ascend again back into heaven. Uh, We see this in the life of King Saul. In various seasons of his life, the Bible says that the Spirit descended upon him but then would easily leave him. Uh, When David committed sin with Bathsheba, one of his prayers was, God, please don't take your spirit away from me. He he couldn't imagine that spirit being lifted off of him, that God himself departing him to do life all alone. Now, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is seen early on working in Jesus' life, in his birth, uh, and when he uh, was baptized, was present. When he baptized, when the spirit, or when the dove uh, was, was present. And by the time you reach Acts 2 the Holy Spirit begins working in an entirely new way. And, and this is a holiday of sorts taking place in Acts chapter 2, a holiday known as Pentecost. And what was happening was in Acts 2, a number of people from all over Israel had gathered around Jerusalem to celebrate this great event. And as we read in Acts 2, as you read in Acts 2, and you can do this on your own if you'd like, the Holy Spirit fell or descended upon all of the people present, all of the people of God, empowering them to speak in other languages, empowering them with these great gifts of healing and the ability to perform these miraculous signs. And it's from this point forward in Acts chapter 2 that you see the Holy Spirit working to empower particular men and women with different acts of service. You can read it all throughout uh, Acts chapter 2. And you see the Holy Spirit empowering people with particular spiritual gifts. Uh, you see the Holy Spirit giving people the, the fruits of the Spirit, God's work, God's transformation as people learn love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. And as the Holy Spirit was working powerfully in the lives of men and women in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is alive and active and present today. All right? And he is available to you and me. You know, the Spirit of God, as the Bible teaches, lives inside of us with all of the potential and all of the capabilities that was exhibited that were exhibited in the Book of Acts and more. And, and what I want you to see this morning is this, and this is very important, this is very critical. There are so many people living today, so many of followers of Jesus, you know, people even present here today, who are living what we will refer to as spiritless lives. Spiritless lives. I mean, there's so much potential, so much power made available to you through God because of Jesus. But too many people living spiritless lives this morning, today. And I believe that God wants his people to live spirit-filled, spirit-powered lives. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them and turn to John chapter 14. Go to the fourth book of the New Testament, to John chapter 14. Uh, We're going to be looking at a few verses here in the middle of John. Uh, As you get there, you know, chances are that even by mentioning the word Holy Spirit or Spirit-filled lives, there are a number of different things that can happen in your mind. Uh, The topic of the Holy Spirit has become a very controversial topic uh, among followers of Jesus today, among churches. It it brings out a lot of different emotions in people, especially Christians. And, And for some of you, the very word, the very mention of the word Holy Spirit conjures up all of these images in your mind. And when you hear the word Holy Spirit, you go to that one particular TV station and you see the guy, the pastor with the the really bad perspiration issue and uh, he's got the purple suit and maybe a hanky or something that he waves around and he's always pushing people down, all right? And so when you hear the word Holy Spirit, no people mentioned, no TV stations mentioned, you go to that guy. All right, That's what you think of when you hear that. You think of that screaming preacher on TV. And so that's what you think of. And so for many of you, that's the image that comes in your mind. That's where you go when you hear the mention of the word Holy Spirit. Now, there are some challenges, I will say, that exist in particular contexts or in particular church situations today. And I believe that in some situations, all right, in some places and at some times, the work of the Holy Spirit, if I may is perhaps overemphasized to a certain degree, and, and here's why. To the point that it becomes an extreme teaching, maybe even an idolatry at sorts. And, and I believe that's possible. Hang with me here, okay? And this extreme teaching creates conflict, this extreme teaching creates confusion, and, and, and sadly enough, this, this teaching creates division, and again, churches have divided and they've split over this topic of the Holy Spirit. And so on the one hand, you have this very extreme view and very extreme teaching when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Now, there's another side, because on the other hand, and I believe that this side is almost as unfortunate, if not more unfortunate, there is a tendency in many churches today to underemphasize or not even go there to even be open to considering the work and the power of the Holy Spirit that has been made available to you and me as individuals and to the church today. And sad to say, I think that under-emphasizing the work and the power of the Holy Spirit is equally, if not more, unfortunate. So with that in mind, my goal this morning, our goal is to provide a framework of sorts, a biblical understanding of who the Spirit is And what role it is that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of any Christ follower. And so we're going to start in John chapter 14 and we're going to start with these words of Jesus today to help us build a foundational understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what he's capable of doing. In John 14, Jesus is comforting his disciples just you know days before he, he's crucified on the cross and he's explaining to them why it is that he is about to leave them. And as he left, he, he promised, or as he prepares to leave, he promises to them that he would send someone to take his place and that it would be better than anything they had right now. In John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, all right? The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit himself. The world cannot accept him because it either sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now look at the promise of Jesus here in John 14. Jesus says he, the spirit of God, God himself will live inside you. He he calls him the counselor, the Holy Spirit. This one will come and he'll live in you. Now, again, who's the Holy Spirit? Well, he's fully God, fully and absolute God. He's the third member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Jesus refers to him as him. It's God in spirit form. Jesus said, I am going away. And as I go away, there is one, the counselor who will come, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God to be with you. Now, the word counselor here is the Greek word paraclete. Maybe you've heard that word, the word paraclete. It means one who is called to walk alongside of. Uh, it, it means one who is called to live inside of uh, through the power made available to us in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, as Jesus promises, acts as a counselor, will act as a counselor. That when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, whatever moment that was in your life, the Holy Spirit, God himself, moved in and took up residency, if you'll say. He, he began occupying your life he intercedes on our behalf you know the bible says that he is our advocate before god he is your comforter your helper it's god in spirit form living inside of you now put yourself in the disciple's shoes for a moment all right you're 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 a disciple uh, before jesus most of the disciples went about their normal business their their normal lives several were fishermen and that's all they knew that's all they knew was fishing you know, they were they were uneducated men, poor. They had no bright future. There were no great aspirations of doing anything else. Uh, that's what they did. They did fishing. And one day, Jesus interrupted their life. He walked into their life. He invited them to leave everything behind to come and to, to follow him, to be a part of his teaching, to be a part of his new way of living. And they did that. The crazy thing is they did that. They left everything behind to follow Jesus. And so for three years, these men have been captivated and caught up in the words and the life and the mission of Jesus. And now the man who invited them to leave everything behind and follow them for three years. Now he says, hey, I'm leaving. Okay, I'm getting out of here. All right, but it's okay that I go. You, I want you to continue doing what you're doing. And there is one that I will be sending to you. Oh, and by the way, you won't be able to see him, but he's coming. And let me tell you the truth. It's actually greater than what you have now. I mean, Jesus said, I am here to help you connect with God. But as I go, God will actually come and he will live inside of you. You will experience him. That Jesus said, it is better that I go. It's better that you have the spirit than me in the flesh that I will go and God will live inside of you. Jesus says it like this, John chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Again, Jesus says, you know, if I'm not here, the Holy Spirit, God himself, will come and live in you. And instead of of you being with God through me, you get God inside of you. Now, you may be wondering... What exactly does the Holy Spirit do for us? I, I'm sure the disciples were thinking it the same way. I mean, what does it mean to have the Holy Spirit inside of me, to have God inside of me? And as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, the Holy Spirit, as the Bible teaches, provides followers of Jesus with, with spiritual gifts. You know, we are given spiritual gifts. Uh, you, you have various spiritual gifts, whether you realize it or not, gifts of, of teaching or leadership, or administration. Maybe it's a gift of hospitality, or or wisdom. You know, the Bible teaches us that God empowers us, that he gifts us with, with gifts to be used to build up this body, to be used in this kingdom. The Holy Spirit, you know, works to make us more like Jesus by bearing, you know, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. But unfortunately, there's a problem in the lives of many followers of Jesus today. You know, even even for some right here in this room, and, and it's a problem, you know, whether it be here in central Indiana or, or around that world for the matter, in the church, it's, it's way too common to see Christians who at some point in their life have confessed or professed their love and their trust in Jesus, but really look no different than anyone else in the rest of the world. And, and that's the problem that exists today. I mean, it's Christians caught up in a lifestyle that is no different than anyone living outside of the church, living outside of Jesus Christ. It's Christians ruined by the same choices and the same sins as unbelievers today. It's Christians whose prayer life is practically non-existent or lacking any power or faith at all. It's Christians who live day to day with with great fear and great anxiety and great worry. I mean, we believe in Jesus. We believe what he's done, but there's no evidence of any power in our life whatsoever today. I mean, why is that? I mean, why is it that even with the Holy Spirit firmly planted in our lives that too many Christians today are living spiritless lives When God wants and has provided for you and me as his people to live spirit-filled, spirit-led lives, a type of life that's pleasing to God. Well, why is it that so many people are living spiritless lives today? Well, I think there are a number of reasons, but I picked two to look at real quick. The first one is that some people are just simply unaware of the Holy Spirit. You know, and there's a possibility that you're here this morning, you've given your life to Jesus Christ, but this is totally new stuff to you. You're like, well, why wasn't this shared, you know? How come I didn't get the memo, you know? All right so we're so we're, we're giving you some grace here on this and and many will say I've heard of the Holy Spirit but I don't know what he does I do I always just think of the guy on TV or whatever you know even as good as his intentions may be you know you've said the words Father Son and Holy Spirit but you're not too sure where the Holy Spirit fits into all of it Well in Acts chapter 19 verses 1 through 3 uh we read one of it, one account uh, or the two verses there it says when when while Apollos um there's the crack you heard it while Apollos was at Corinth Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, so these people here weren't present when Pentecost took place. They knew Jesus. They knew John the Baptist. But this idea of the Holy Spirit was a little foreign to them. No one had taught them about the power of the Holy Spirit. And the truth is that, that most people today, most believers in Jesus don't have a right understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And most people don't realize, you and I, we forget, we fail to be reminded that there is a power made available to each of us as followers of Jesus, that God himself lives inside of us and that the Bible teaches that he is ready and available to to walk through life with us and to help us in our time of need. But we don't realize the benefit that's laying right before us. Now, I don't do a lot of traveling, uh, it's kind of fun when you're able to get on a plane and get out of town a little bit. And, and so every once in a while, I'll try and do a conference. It was back probably six or seven years ago that I was traveling with a, a coworker, worker another pastor, and we were down in Atlanta together for a conference. And, you know, with traffic and everything, it had taken a while to get back to the airport. So by the time we got to the airport, it was a real rush to get to the gate And as we, you know, checked our bags and everything and were rushing towards the security line, and keep in mind, this wasn't too long after 9-11 took place, so security was especially heightened. And if you've ever been through the Atlanta airport before, there are long lines. And so we got to the security line and there was this long line. I mean, it it just felt like it was miles long. And you looked to the front of it thinking... We'll be here for the rest of the week, okay? I mean, I'll get a flight for next week, you know, and I'll be sure to make it if I just stay in this line. Well, this buddy that I was with, his name was Jim. He was a real jokester, a real comedian, and just kind of always doing embarrassing things in public, and so I never knew what he was always up to. Anyways, we were standing in the line, and again, we were a long ways back, and all of a sudden, this person who worked for the airport, dressed in uniform and everything, came over to this small group of people that we were standing with and said, I need to see you gentlemen with me at this time. And at that moment, not knowing what he's done, I just pretended like I didn't know him. And so I kind of turned and looked the other direction and just kind of twiddled my thumbs thinking, I don't want to be a part of whatever he's getting himself into here. And then all of a sudden she said, she pointed at me and she said, Sir, I know you're with them, please come with me. And I'm like, great, you know, you know, I've been found out or whatever. Well, little did I know or realize that Part of her role was to just go grab random groups of people and kind of fast track us to a different line. Some hidden line at some other hallway. We didn't have to wait in line whatsoever and we quickly made it through the gate and, and made it our, our, through the checkpoint and made it on our way to the gate with no problem. There was this, this benefit of waiting, you know, if I was just willing to take it, even though I didn't know what it was. And as followers of Jesus... We have a great privilege and a great reward made available to us. It's the Holy Spirit, God himself, living inside of us. I mean, that's unbelievable if we'd be willing to just hang on that for a bit. You'll spend the rest of your life trying to process that, that God lives inside of you. And you know, many of you here this morning, you're, you're going through life not even realizing that this benefit, the Holy Spirit, is in you, that God lives in you, and many of you are missing out on His power and His strength and His guidance and the reminders of His victory over this world. You know, there's a spiritual power from God that is inside of you, and it is greater than anything you could imagine. The very same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you. And he will fill you and direct you and comfort you and guide you and counsel you and convict you and empower you. The Holy Spirit is available to you. He's available to me. But so many people today are living spiritless lives because they are simply unaware of the power and the presence that's inside of them. I mean, if you're a Christian, the spirit of God lives in you. Become familiar with him. Become familiar with him. You know, there's another reason why I think we live spiritless lives today. And this one saddens me. But the next one is that some people are resisting the life of the Holy Spirit. And that can be many of us at times. You know, and it can be me. I'm guilty of this too. Here's how it plays out. At times the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do something. You know, he will lead you to do something. But many times some of you have sort of said, well, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to get myself caught up into that. That might inconvenience me. I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. The Holy Spirit is prompting you to do something. You're hearing it in your heart, but you're just saying, you know, I'm going to resist. I don't want anything with that. Or it's like this. Many of you have been going about life, doing the routine and everything, and you're about to make a bad choice, and the Holy Spirit starts working inside of you. We call it our conscience at times, but it's the Holy Spirit working inside of us saying that's an unwise choice. Do do you have any idea what you're messing with when when you even think about making that decision? You know, don't do it. It's the wrong thing. It's it's unwise, but we say, "I, I want to. And what we kind of push through, we resist the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do something good or to give generously to another cause to bless someone. And you push that away and you say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a part of that. And the sad reality is that many of you, maybe even some of you, many of you, have been resisting the Holy Spirit for so long that that your heart has hardened for the promptings of God in your life. Stephen was a man in the New Testament. Uh, he was young, courageous, and a bold believer. He was arrested for his faith. He went before the Sanhedrin, the highest court in Israel. All right, he's standing before the, these men who eventually would stone him to death. But he got a few words in before they threw rocks at him. Acts 7.51, he called them, you stiff-necked people. You, you have no idea how much your hearts have hardened. When some of you say, you know, I don't really ever feel like I hear from God or it's been a long time is it possible that you have resisted the promptings of the holy spirit for so long that your heart has become hardened that you really have a difficult time here i mean that is a life and a condition that i don't want you know i don't want my heart to become hardened to the work of the holy spirit you know whether it be in my in my personal life in my my life as a pastor i am trying to learn to work and to wait uh, and to learn to, to lean on the, the work of, of God in me, you know, the, the Spirit, the presence of God in me. And whether it means sharing openly and honest with you on a Sunday morning, even if it means sharing something that some of you might not like, but I have to say, I mean, I want to go, you know, where this, I, I feel like the Spirit leads me. You know, sometimes it's about being generous, you know, and sometimes I don't feel like being generous. I get tired of being generous, I get tired of giving. Anybody go there with me? Okay, I have that in my life sometimes. But the Holy Spirit prompts me and says, no, this is who I want you to be. This is what I want you to give. You know, sometimes it's the Holy Spirit, you know, prompting me to to forgive someone else or to reach out to another person, even when it doesn't make sense. Or it's the Spirit prompting me to turn off the TV or the computer if I'm tempted to wander a little bit. It's the prompting of the Spirit. You know, our elders have been praying and fasting and meeting, asking questions about our future as a church, and we want the Spirit of God to lead us. And you know, we want to be able to say in the end of it all that, hey, you know, we, at least we followed God. That's what we did. We, we followed God. And it's a dangerous thing to resist the Spirit because if you resist the Spirit for too long, your heart will harden and the Spirit will stop prompting. You know, someone once said, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman of sorts. He will not push himself on you he kind of gives you that permission. So why are so many living you know, spiritless lives today? Well, for some, it just may be this unawareness. Others have become experts in habitual resisting to the work of God. If that's you, you know, does it concern you? I mean, is there something working in you right now that says there's something that's not right in me? I've been resisting? You know that this is something new for me to hear. I, I want this for my life. I mean, do you realize the life the opportunity to serve God you know that, that you 're missing that i 'm missing well for the next few minutes and pretty briefly here, I, I want to just talk to you about the work of the Holy Spirit, you know some of the promises that that God has provided to us through the story of everything of what it means to have God inside of what the Holy Spirit is able and ready and and committed to doing. And I want to talk to you about this internal working of the Spirit and what a Spirit-filled life looks like. What will the Spirit do for you? The first one, and if you're taking notes, all right, I've switched one and two around. And I know that it only makes a difference because the Scripture passages are, are there. So I'm, I'm doing your number two first, all right? And if you're like me and everything's got to be in order, you know, you're a little freaked out at the moment, okay? But we're, we're looking at the second one first, all right? And, and it's this. The whole, it's because it's become our first. Am I, are you confused yet? Here, the Holy Spirit will counsel you, all right? The Holy Spirit will counsel you. He's your counselor, as the Bible teaches. He is your guide. You know, you don't know what he can do, you can do, or you don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit can direct you. John sixteen thirteen. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, God himself, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so the Holy Spirit is a counselor. He is your guide. He is this internal GPS system that you've been wired up with that that works inside of you to show you where to go, what steps to take. I mean, you start praying for the Holy Spirit to give you direction, the Holy Spirit can give you direction. Uh, He can give you wisdom. He can give you the discernment to answer some of the great questions in your life. And we've all got great questions, right? We've all got solutions to some of the problems or some of the questions uh, that We're asking, you know, one of the things that that I get as a pastor is uh, some of your questions, whether it be by email or Facebook. And I enjoy, you know, sharing a verse with you or praying for you or, or maybe sharing some insight with you. But I thought what might be kind of interesting to do this morning is I brought a couple of those questions that I've received and I brought um, a magic eight ball. And I thought maybe we could just take a moment uh, to answer a couple of those questions with the magic eight ball. Here, here's a question, you know, that, that I, I've received um, so from a young gal, so I'm dating this guy. We've been dating for nine, 10 months now, whatever. I'm trying to figure out if he's Mr. Right. Is this the guy that I'm supposed to marry? So we'll answer that question right now. And the answer is the outlook is good. All right. So, uh, you know, thank you, Ma- Mr. Magic eight ball. And, uh, there you go. Or maybe we'll get a question like this. I've been offered a promotion at work. Great job. It means moving away. Uh, The downfall is we've got to move away from extended family, and, uh, you know, we we have to move away from a church that we love. So we'll ask Mr. Magic 8 Ball. Mr. Magic 8 Ball says, check back later. All right, so I'm not sure how long you have to wait on that or whatever, but but you definitely want to check back later. Or, you know, maybe it's just a a question that we all have. Uh, For those of you that are Indiana Hoosiers fans, will the IU Hoosiers ever make the NCAA tournament again? Not a chance. Yeah, not looking good. And all the Purdue fans clap, all right? <clears throat> or that one that I've had that I've heard is, is it true that Ben Krause, our worship guy, goes home on a Sunday, pops in a little Kenny G, and takes a bubble bath? And uh, just Magic 8-Ball, most definitely. it's what it says, believe it or not, right here. Uh, how many of you had a Magic 8-Ball as a kid? How many of you still refer to your Magic 8-Ball You're know, regularly? if. If you're missing yours and want to come play with this Magic 8-Ball after the service, you can. Uh, maybe you've done something like this before. You, you're sitting at your desk, you know, trying to figure out, you know, should I, should I buy that brand new car? You know, I'm excited about buying that brand new car. So you take a piece of paper and you wad it up and you'll say, okay, here's to do. I'm going to shoot this shot. It's like 10 feet away. If I make it, that's God's sign that he wants me to buy this new car. And so you take it. I know you've done it before because I have. And, uh, and so you shoot it. And you miss, and you're like, okay, well, two out of three, God. That's two out of three. You know, let's see what we can find. So we've all got these questions you know, that we're looking for answers to. We've all got these important decisions to make, you know, whether it's a question about school or careers or marriage, you know, parenting, investments. There's a power made available to everyone who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, it's God himself. It's God in spirit form living inside of you. He can be a voice. Uh, to direct you when you're trying to find your way through, you know, the processes of life. He he can he can guide the work manager who's trying to make some really tough decisions about personnel right now. And that's what's been promised to us in God. Uh, he can guide parents as they think about how to discipline uh, their teenage daughter right now. How how to raise her up to be a woman of God. The Holy Spirit can do that. The the Holy Spirit can can work in such a way to guide a dating couple as they think about a future, a potential future together. And when you are aware of the Spirit inside of you, you can find hope in being able to walk through life each day knowing that God is there, that He is right there with you. He can prompt you to reach out to a person in need. He can show you how to pray for somebody when you don't know the words to say. He can prevent you from saying something to a neighbor when you know later on you'll regret what you had said. The Holy Spirit will counsel you and guide you. It's what a spirit-filled look, life looks like. It's learning to be led and guided by the power of the Spirit of God. You know, not walking by sight or chance, but walking in faith. Isaiah chapter 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. A spirit-filled life to counsel you. The second one is, or your first one, He will comfort you. The Holy Spirit can comfort you. You know, here the Holy Spirit is called a comforter. In John chapter 14, verse 16, in the King James Version, Jesus says, and I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. That the Holy Spirit can work as a comforter. It's it's the presence of God inside of you working as a comforter. You know, the Bible promises us that the Spirit of God will work in us when we're hurting. That he can provide comfort. And what's amazing about the power of Scripture is that even right now, some of you in this room are feeling His presence in you as you read this verse. That the Holy Spirit can work as a comforter. I mean, because you're going through a painful season right now or something difficult in your life. I mean, it could be work-related or marriage-related or health-related. You know, maybe years and years of letdown and hurt all piled on top of one another. I can promise you that by holding to this truth of Scripture that's been given to us by God close to your heart, that some of you today will begin to sense some peace and some comfort in your life in realizing that God himself, the Spirit of God, works inside of you as a comforter that he can provide a sense of peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense. You know, In my 10 years of full-time ministry, I've done a number of funerals. And a majority of those funerals have been for elderly men and women who have lived long lives and passed away. But in my time, I've done a funeral for a 20-year-old who put a gun to his head. And I've had to help bury a couple of babies, which were just very difficult situations. And and it didn't matter, you know, whether it was a young child or a suicide or an elderly man or woman. In every situation, there were tears shed. You know, there was hurt. You know, there were questions that have gone unanswered. But I will say this. Consistently in every situation, no matter how difficult or how tragic the situation was, you could almost identify people without asking those who were walking with Jesus in their life, not because they got it completely, not because they were avoiding the truth of what had happened, but that there was a spirit of God, that the spirit of God was working inside them to comfort them and to walk through what was a difficult and could be a very, uh, a very sad occasion. David in Psalm 23 said, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. The Spirit of God. No matter what we face, the Bible teaches us and promises us that the Spirit of God living inside of you will comfort you as you face some of the difficult challenges of life. The third thing is that the Holy Spirit will empower you that the Holy Spirit can work in you and prepare you and equip you to do what you need to do. And whether it's a job promotion or being the husband that God wants you to be or leading a ministry here at Genesis, the Holy Spirit will empower you to do what you need to do. And there's evidence through all, throughout the entire Bible of this. Moses did not feel qualified to go stand before Pharaoh. Jonah had no desire to go to Nineveh. All right, The disciples were a bunch of, of nobodies, but the Holy Spirit was working inside of them, empowering them to do what they were called to do. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promised, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word power there is the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. That you will receive a power inside of you that is so great that you will be able to do exactly what it is that I have called you to do. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Now for me, as I was thinking about what this means in my life, I love to preach and I love to teach. It's a great, I call it a privilege to be able to do what I get to do, to be able to preach. It's a high calling. And it's a spiritual gift that I know that I have because others have affirmed it in me. Uh, it's one of my greatest joys in my life. But I will tell you that it is one of the greatest frustrations of my life too. I mean, I love it on Sundays. I, I love it right now. I enjoy it. And when I finish on Sundays, I can't wait to get started on Monday morning to get ready for next week. I love it on Sundays. But I have to tell you that there are many times and many days when I hate it on Saturdays, all right? And I know that's kind of a strong word, maybe too strong, but but preaching for me, it's so heavy. It's so heavy. I mean, preparing to preach is heavy and tiring. And it's not uncommon for some pastors to spend 10, if not 20 hours a week simply getting ready for Sunday. Or as my wife jokes with me, she's like, it's like you write a term paper every week, you know? And it's not just the preparation. There's no doubt in my mind that there is a spiritual battle that happens in my life every week as I get ready to preach. You know, kids get sick and schedules get packed and things come up and trying to manage the responsibilities of leadership and reaching out to others. And oh, by the way, you know, being a father and being a husband to my wife. And it's a tricky thing to manage. And sometimes men will leave ministry because of the weight and the burden of preaching because it comes too great. I have an uncle who was in ministry for many years, but he walked away from it, he told me, because he couldn't take Saturdays. He just couldn't take that weight and that heaviness of preaching. And as confident as I look on Sunday morning, and I hope it never comes across as, as arrogant, you know, as confident as I may appear on Sundays, preaching is one of the greatest challenges to my to my self-confidence and to my esteem, especially when your voice is cracking. Uh, you know, it's the pressure to be prepared on Sundays, the pressure to perform, the pressure to try and be funny, and the pressure knowing that someone might not like me or be offended by what I say. It's the pressure to not be boring. Some of you are thinking, come on, wrap it up, you know. Uh, the responsibility of, of preaching can take a great toll. and it, it, it takes a great toll on me. And, and I really sensed this a couple of years ago. I, I found myself saying, you can't do this. Or somebody inside of me was saying, you can't do this. You know, you don't have what it takes. You're not Rob Bell. You're not Andy Stanley. And, but God put a book into my life other than the great book. Um, it's an old book a book, kind of a golden oldie, get this real creative title, Holy Spirit, that's all it's called, um, by this pastor named R.A. Torrey. Uh, He lived early on back in the 1900s, a pastor. And in one particular chapter, he talks about the challenges of preaching, many of which I just described to you. And he talked about his own journey, his own doubts, and he talked about the day that his preaching changed. This, This great reminder. He talked about the day that he was reminded of this potential power available to every preacher... Who is willing to believe that God is working and living inside of him, and God's working, you know, on the outside? And so there's this quote uh, that I have taped in the front of my Bible. I've had it there for a couple of years now, and if you ever catch me on a Sunday morning, you might see me peeking in there once in a while before I get up. Just um, as it's a little reminder. Here, here are the words that R. A. Torrey wrote: "Oh, what a torment life was, but a glad day came, a day when the thought which I am trying to teach you now took possession of me." Namely, that when I stood up to preach, that though people saw me, that there was another whom they did not see, but who stood by my side, and that all the responsibility was upon him, and all I had to do was get just as far back out of sight as possible, and let him do the preaching. And uh, I I can't tell you how much of an encouragement that's been for me, and I I can't say that I uh, always find success, you know, in remembering that, but of just knowing that even when I come up here to preach that all of the responsibility is on God himself. Um, It's not my responsibility to change your heart, but it's the spirit of God working inside of you. You know, I'm simply a mouthpiece. I'm simply a servant, just like you are. And the same God who is available to empower me, who has empowered me, is available to empower you, you know, to give you you the motivation to, to give your all to your job right now, even if it's a job that you hate. Uh, the same Holy Spirit can give you what you need, to, can empower you to go and love your husband, even though he doesn't love Jesus like you do. Uh, the this, this same Holy Spirit can help you step out with God right now and trust Him with your finances when you never have before. The this, this same God, He can empower you to share your faith or your story with a sister right now who is lost. The Spirit of God can empower you to take a step of faith with your family you know, that might not make sense to anyone else. But this God who's been promised to us, this God through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, He empowers us. The last thing, and briefly is this, the Holy Spirit will convict you. John 16, 8 says, when He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Uh, The Holy Spirit is a convictor and the fact is that some of you sitting here right now are being convicted by the Spirit of God as He works in your life. Something... It doesn't feel right or it does feel right. And there might be some things in your life that aren't right right now and they don't please God. And this morning, you're feeling this sense of motivation that you need to make a change, that something different needs to happen. You know, you're, I haven't even mentioned what it is, but you're feeling that conviction because the Spirit of God is working inside of you. You know, Others of you are feeling drawn to God right now and this whole topic this morning has really gotten your attention and you are being drawn to God right now. You're hungry and you don't know why. You're hungry for more of God. You might not even be a church person, you know, or a Bible-believing person, but something is happening in you right now and you are feeling drawn to God. You're hungry. Not for Qdoba, but you're hungry for God. You know, you want more of God. You say, I need God for purpose, for fulfillment, for satisfaction. The Holy Spirit works to draw us to God. He intercedes. He convicts of sin. You know, he, he draws us. Some of you this morning, you're being drawn to God right now and you don't know why. It's because the Holy Spirit is here and he is working in your life. And because it's happening, you have a choice. You can choose to surrender to the promptings of the Spirit of God in your life right now or you can resist. And I have to warn you, the dangers of continual resisting is that over time your heart can harden and it can become more and more difficult to hear from God. Will you pray with me? I want you to know this morning that God loves you, that he loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to live and die for you. He rose again so that you could know him, and he gave you the spirit of God so that you would not have to do life on your own. He gave you life so that you can be empowered as you live this life to honor and glorify and please God. and This morning, with with your heads bowed, there are some of you that are recognizing that you're doing life apart from the Spirit of God right now. You're a believer. You go to church, and you're doing most of everything in your life in your own power, and you are tired and frustrated, and you're saying, I want a Spirit-filled life. I want a Spirit-filled life. I want to be empowered by God Himself. If that's you, and with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand up right now just so that I can pray for you? Thank you. All around the room, thank you for those hands. You can put them down. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for the spiritual hunger in this room right now. We pray that you would fill us, Lord, with your spirit. I pray that as we walk away from here today, we would walk away with a new awareness of your presence in us. I pray, God, that we would be totally filled with your spirit. I I pray that we would be aware of your guidance and comfort. I pray that we would recognize your promptings. I pray that we wouldn't try to do it on our own power. But we pray that you would fill us with your spirit so that we can honor and glorify you. Lead us to do the things you are calling us to do. Unsatisfy us when we forget about you. And may we live encouraged and enlightened today in knowing that you are in us, that you can help us with anything we face. Still with every head bowed, there are others of you here today. You know, you're not a church church person, but, but right now you are being drawn to God. And maybe you've been coming to Genesis for a while. Today might be your first week. But oddly enough, you are more aware than ever before that this morning you want God. You need him in your life. And maybe you are feeling the guilt and the weight of your past and you're wondering, how in the world will I deal with this? God will. He can take it all away. God is drawing you this morning. You know, you have a choice. You can resist Him or you can surrender. My prayer is that you would surrender your heart and your life to God today. You cannot save yourself in this world. I'll say it again. You cannot save yourself in this world. Your works won't get it done. It's only by God's grace and the work that He has accomplished in the life and death of Jesus. You can invite him in your life this morning and say, I need you, Jesus. Save me from my sins. I need your spirit. If you're hungry for God right now, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, save me and change me. Jesus, save me and change me. It's that easy. Jesus, save me and change me. If that is your prayer today, Jesus, save me and change me. Let me just lift up your hand right now just to acknowledge it. That's the decision I've made. Jesus, save me and change me today. Thank you for those hands around the room. Jesus, save me and change me today. You can still do it. God, we thank you for new life. God, thank you for thinking so much of us that you would live inside of us. May that truth, truth change our lives from this day forward. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.